Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast entitled, What's the Big Deal? Sometimes we can be doing things the wrong way for so long that we no longer see anything wrong with what we are doing. In some ways, our errant practices become the norm, and sometimes they even become our new traditions. That can be true in places of worship as well as in our own lives. Such was the case in first century Jerusalem. One thousand years earlier, God had given King David and later his son King Solomon very specific instructions for the construction of the first temple in Jerusalem. Those instructions did not include the stabling of birds and animals within the confines of the temple in order for them to be purchased by pilgrims coming to offer their sacrifices. Rather, the animals were available elsewhere in the city, away from the temple. The temple was to be a place of worship and prayer. It was never intended to be a place of commerce. And yet, over time, the outer court of the Gentiles became a marketplace where visiting Jews could exchange their money for temple currency and purchase animals to be sacrificed. The practice was born out of convenience for the travelers from out of town, and it quickly became a very profitable business. The outer court had been intended to be a place where non-believers could enter and learn about the one true God of Israel. But its use as a market had transformed the space from being one used for a missionary purpose to one now being used for a mercenary purpose. Every Israelite, rich or poor, who had reached the age of 20 was required to pay a temple tax of one-half shekel into the temple treasury. This tax was to be paid using a Hebrew half shekel. At Passover, all male adults who wished to worship at the temple would bring his offering. Since foreign money with any foreign image was considered to be corrupt and unclean, the money changers would sell temple coinage at a very high rate of exchange and add an additional charge for their services. The animal dealers also charged exorbitant prices, but no one could oppose them. They profited from the wealthy by providing four-legged animals for sacrifice, and they profited from the poor by selling them doves. It had become the ultimate convenience store. The former high priest, Annas, was the manager of the enterprise, assisted by his sons, and they operated under the protection of the current high priest, his son-in-law, Caiaphas. Their motivation was greed and extortion. To use Jesus' words, it truly had become a den of thieves. They were using their religion to cover up their sin. It is estimated that between one and two million people came to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. So do not lose sight that this had become big business. Jesus was not the first to be sent by the Father to rebuke the religious leaders and the people of Israel for this practice of turning the temple into a marketplace. Over 600 years earlier, God had sent the prophet Jeremiah to deliver the same rebuke, saying, Don't you yourselves admit that this temple which bears my name has become a den of thieves? Surely I see all the evil going on. I, the Lord, have spoken. The day Jesus cleansed the temple, he repeated the words of the prophet Isaiah. My temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. 
It is to be a place where prayer bears evidence of dependence upon God and reliance in his word. As Jesus demonstrated through the healing of the blind and the lame, his temple was to be a place where people were welcomed and received the help they needed. It was to be a place where God's power was evident in the transformation of lives. And as evidenced by the children, as they gave praise, it was to be a place where God was praised and belief in God was evidenced. Jesus reminded them of the words of the psalmist, you have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. Not only had the temple become as fruitless as the fig tree Jesus had rebuked the day before, it had become a stumbling block to true seekers desiring to worship the one true God. But instead of repenting of their errant practice, the leaders became indignant and plotted even more fervently how to kill Jesus. They could think of nothing else, because all the people hung on every word Jesus said. He threatened their financial enterprise. He threatened their power over the people. He threatened their position of leadership. He threatened their own selfish ambition. He threatened their desire to walk according to their own ways. There was nothing godly within them. Their hearts were as cold as stone. They could think of nothing else but how they would rid themselves of Jesus. We too can become easily blinded by our own selfish ambitions and our own personal desires. We easily allow compromises to make their way into our lives and become our norms. If we would take up the cross, the lessons for us from the cleansing of the temple are a very big deal in our own lives and in the local church bodies of which we are a part. First, the abomination that the marketplace practices became began with a simple and subtle compromise. It was a means to make it easier for foreigners to participate in worship. Those who had begun the practice probably did so in an effort to enhance worship, never imagining it would hamper it. It is a reminder to us to guard every facet of our lives and our worship and not compromise nor redirect our focus from the one we follow. No matter how seemingly inconsequential the redirect might appear to be. Second, our lives and our local churches are to bear evidence of our utter dependence upon God and our complete reliance on his word. We are to be welcomers and helpers of all who God brings across our path, personally and as a body of believers. His presence and his power are to be conspicuously evident in our lives, our praise, our beliefs, and our actions. Third, we must never lose sight that we have been called to be ambassadors of the gospel to all people and all nations through our prayer and through our actions. The Apostle Paul wrote, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Therein lies the big deal. We have been created for his purpose. Our lives are to be his temple and a reflection of his glory. But in order for that to be the case, we must turn from the sins that we have allowed to infiltrate our temple and turn our focus away from him. He has promised to cleanse us, not with a whip, 
but with the cleansing power of his shed blood. Allow him to clear out the temple and make way for his glory to return because his glory is a big deal. This post has been taken from Matthew chapter 21 verses 12 to 16 and is adapted from Taking Up the Cross, the fifth book in my Lessons Learned in the Wilderness series. Information on how you can obtain a copy of the book as well as the full series or any of my other books is available on my website, kenwinter.org. Well, thanks for joining me and have a blessed week as you walk with the Master.